Okay, I just want to officially invite everyone to today's 2.30 service. It's a continuation of the series that we have been doing called Many Parts, One Body. And the series so far has been really talking about us being part of the body of Christ, us being one body. And last week, Pastor Scott was talking about team, teamwork, and, and what that looks like. Now, today I'm going to go at a slightly different angle. I want to invite everyone to open up their Bibles or go to your Bible app, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 21 to 23. And it reads, For since the world through all its earthly wisdom, bear with me, nope, 1 Corinthians 12, there you go. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 to 23. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. But quite the contrary. The parts of the body that seem to be weaker are absolutely necessary. And as for those parts of the body which we consider less honorable, these we treat with greater honor, and our less presentable parts are treated with greater modesty. I was looking at these verses, and I, I asked the Lord, Lord, what, what would you like me to say? I was looking at these verses, and, and I thought to myself, that would be unusual, right? If your hand, if your eye said to your hand, we have no use of you. If your head said to your foot, foot, there's no point of you being in this body, it wouldn't make sense. And I thought to myself, wait, hold on. This is interesting. How interesting this verse is can only be said like this. What happens if I look at you, the body of Christ, in a way I shouldn't? And what's interesting is how I look at you is connected to how I perceive myself. Nugget already, nugget of the day. Your vertical relationship with God will affect your horizontal relationships with people. I'll say that again. Your vertical relationship with God will affect your horizontal relationships with people. And as I meditated on these verses, I thought to myself, how I am treated will affect how I see myself. It shouldn't do, but I see it in my life. And how I see myself will be affected, will, will, um, I will affect how I see and treat people. And how I see and treat others will most likely affect how I am treated. And it's a vicious cycle. And I realized to myself, just because, uh, let's, use, let's, use, let's use everyone here. You've got, if you, can have, if you can see an envelope beside your seat, I want you to pick up the envelope if it's still there or something that you can pick up. I want you to 
Look to the person to your left or right, and I want you to offer it to them. I don't want you to take it. I just want you to offer it. I want everyone to do that now. Okay, wait, hold on now. Good, good, good. Here's the question. Have you taken what they've offered you, but you've offered it? Okay, principle number one. Just because someone offers you offense doesn't mean you have to be offended. Right? We often forget that link. You have to accept anything anyone says to you or does to you. You have to make a conclusion and you have to accept the conclusion that you've made in order for you to be frustrated, angry, upset, whatever with them. You have to take accountability to what you believe. That's worth writing down. You have to take accountability to what you believe. And if you don't take accountability to what you believe, you're going to be moved by anyone and anything. And that is not faith. So I looked at this and I thought to myself, "Mm -mm, okay, this is going to be a good word then. Hallelujah. There's a lot here. How I see myself. So I thought to myself, okay, Lord, so what do you want me to, how should I title this? I'm giving you guys the, the, the whole background to this. What should I title this? And a thought came to my mind. And the saying is, there is no I in team. Everyone's heard that, right? There's no I in team. But then I had a thought. Team is spelled T-E-A-M. There is M and an E in the word team. So there is a concept of me in the team. So the question is, how am I going to perceive me? How should I perceive me? Who is the I now that I'm in Christ? What does that look like? How am I supposed to respond? Is it recognizable? Does it look just like who I was before Christ? Here's a hint. If it does look like who you were before Christ, the chances are it's not Christ that's being seen in you. So I said, okay, we have to see who we are correctly. This is important. The topic I want to touch about, so the idea is we have to see who we are in Christ correctly. And if we don't see who we are in Christ correctly, you're going to automatically see incorrectly. And when you see incorrectly, you have something, you'll fall into something which I call potentially self-pity. Self-pity comes from self-centeredness. Let's let's look at how self-pity comes into our lives. Self-pity comes because of self-centeredness. Self-centeredness comes because you're walking in pride. Spiritually, when you're walking in pride, you're walking in the flesh. Okay, I need people to participate. Are you ready? Yeah? Okay. Flesh. Everyone went to school, yeah? How do you spell flesh? F-L-E-S-H. Imagine the H represents the Holy Spirit. Let's take the Holy Spirit away from the word flesh. So you have F-L-E-S. Turn that word backwards. What does it say? Self. When you're walking in the flesh, you are walking for yourself. 
Irrespective of whether you know God, irrespective of whether you're born again, you will be walking for yourself. And every way, all the ways you think typically, how you respond to people who upset you, how you um, respond when things go, don't go your way, self will be seen. And the only way we can be delivered from self, or should I say, the only way we can walk in the reality of being delivered from self, that's the cross, that's the resurrection, is to walk with the Holy Spirit. Okay. Understand what I'm saying. You can't walk in newness of life unless you walk completely surrendered to the Holy Spirit. Your inconsistencies in walking with the Holy Spirit will mean that people will consistently see the old you. Self. When you're walking for self, you're walking in your own understanding. When you're walking in your own understanding, you're walking in your own strength. May I say, when you're walking in your own understanding, you are walking in deception and you don't know it. The interesting thing about deception is that there's desires in deception. There are people who have lived their lives, given 10, 20, 30 plus years to pursuing a lie. There are people in this very world who are making millions because they're pursuing a lie. So that means success automatically requires there to be a, 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 a reality of you walking in the truth of God. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how many friends you have. It doesn't matter how many likes you have on Instagram. It doesn't matter. Okay, let me give you a first world problem I had. When I was walking in the flesh, living for self. Recently, I've been into fragrances. And um, a perfume was sent to my house. But my mom hasn't been well. There, was, there wasn't people at the house at that time. So the, the, the Royal Mail, they posted that letter to say we came. And I was so angry. I was so angry because there was people in the house. And I told Royal Mail, you just put it behind the bin, it's going to be fine. And I drove back to KT, I was so annoyed. And whilst I was driving down to KT, the Holy Spirit said to me, so you're angry about perfume? I just started laughing in my car. I said, wow, I'm really living for self. I was so consumed about what I needed at the time I needed it that nothing else mattered. I had what I call divine amnesia. It's like I didn't believe in God in that moment. There should be way more smiles here because a lot of us have divine amnesia. Yeah? When we completely forget that the purpose and the center of everything is him. <laughs> but you can be walking in so much deception that for a moment in time, that everything is the receiving of perfume on a Tuesday. So that means self, flesh. I want everyone to use their imagination and it's great that the, the floor is blue. I want everyone to imagine that this ground of which I'm walking on is the sea of self. Everyone 
has the sea of self. And when you're in the sea of self, it's all about you. The interesting thing about self-pity is self-pity can basically be explained in so many different ways. But for one easy way for me to explain it is you um, going through something you don't believe you deserve to go through. Maybe someone treated you in a way that you think that's undeserved. Maybe you were working your hardest and no one gave you the praise or recognition and you felt that was undeserved. Maybe um, you, you, um, you, you, you compare yourself with other people and you notice they're loved more than me. I deserve what they're getting. Self-pity will always make you say the following. Oh gosh. Self-pity will always make you say this. I don't deserve what I've gone through. And let's go deeper with self-pity, especially for Christians. And if I'm going through this, what does that say about you? Let's be honest. Yeah. And these are the force that we have. We judge God's care or love for us based on our experience. Uh-uh, wrong. Now, faith doesn't, doesn't, how can I describe it? Faith doesn't um, take away facts. It doesn't change facts. But faith can redefine the effects of facts in your life. That's the power of faith. Okay. You know what's really interesting? Side, side note. I was looking at the temptations of Jesus Christ. And the second temptation, depending on what book you read, the second temptation is when the devil took, takes him up to a, to a high place, to a pinnacle. And he says this. He quotes Psalms. And he says, if you jump off, God's word says this. So do it. And I asked the Lord, what was that temptation? And the sin is called the sin of presumption. What's interesting, not this church, you have to, let me tell you this. When you find a good church like this, stay there, learn, grow, be discipled, join a cell. Because the amount of conversations I've had, I live in Shepherd's Bush, with people in Shepherd's Bush and Hammersmith area, there's not many good churches apparently. Let's go back to the story. <laughs> it's so interesting that many Christians are taught faith the way the devil tried to tempt Jesus. What do I mean? Many Christians will say, okay, well, what's that Bible verse that I can stand on to get what I want? God's word says this. Okay. It's just a matter of time. That's not faith. Just because you have said what God's word has, has been written is different to you walking by faith because you have heard what he has said to you. When you perceive from the realm of the spirit, from the spirit of God, that which is in line with the word of God and you hold onto, onto it, it's called faith. If it hasn't come that way, 
and you're just saying, okay, well, I want this, and that particular verse is in line with my desire coming to pass, I wouldn't do that if I was you. So faith is actually quite a deep concept. Because really to operate by faith, you really need to be opened to the spirit. That's why we say read and read and read your Bible every day, sing every day, sing to the Lord. Why? Because these spiritual activities or spiritual disciplines is what opens us up to the spirit. You don't need to worry about how much faith you have. It's not about the quantity of faith you have. It's are you operating by faith at all? Remember what Jesus says, if you had faith as small as a mustard seed. A mustard seed is very small. What's his point? It's not about how much faith you have. It's are you walking in faith or are you walking in unbelief? If you're walking in unbelief, you're in the sea of self. You can use scripture here all you want. And the reality is this is the location. If you want unanswered prayers, stay in the sea of self. Stay desiring to just have things from God. Let me tell you this. There's three kinds of faith. Let me touch this quickly. Faith in God. Saving faith. Praise God. Faithful things. Many Christians know that one. Faithful things. Praise God. But the highest is the faith of God. The the verse I'm using here is Galatians 220. KJV words it perfectly. It talks about the faith of God. What is the faith of God? The faith of God is seen in the life of Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I only see and do what I hear and see my father doing. So all his activity in life was based on the communication he was having with the father through the, through the Holy Spirit. That's called living by faith. Imagine that. You can walk so deep with the Holy Spirit, it's as if you can see the Father straight in your face. That's the dimensions of surrender the Spirit of God is calling us out for. The question is, are you going to respond? Or are you going to enjoy the sea of self? And the saddest thing is, this is where misery is. This is where self-pity is. This is where you start to ask yourself, I don't deserve how I've been taught, how I've been treated. You phone your friend, sis, bro, this happened. And guess what your brother and sister in Christ will do? They'll throw a pity party with you. (laughs) Oh, it's true. They said that. Pastor Andrew done that. I can't believe it. He calls himself a man of God. This is unbelievable. Oh, what? Don't allow people to to help you enjoy feeling sorry for yourself. Let me tell you why. At the end of this service, we're going to say the grace. And what's really interesting, right, is that part of the grace says, and goodness, and may goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. The goodness of God is the grace of God. Mercy is mercy. Let me define what these words are. Grace. Grace is receiving what you don't deserve. Mercy is not receiving what you do deserve. So imagine this. Imagine that this stand here, this little stand here, is goodness and mercy. 
And no matter where you go in life, the Bible says that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. The reality is goodness and mercy is God's. No matter how far in self you want to live, God will always follow. The question is, when are you going to have eyes to see that he's there? And the moment you do, this is faith. You no longer stand on the principles and information and the experiences that, that were the foundations of who you thought you were. You, start, you stand on the foundations of the word of God and it is the word of God that truly tells you who you are, whose you are and what you have in him. Christianity doesn't start until you stand on that. Hallelujah. <laughs> Praise God. Let's go, let's connect this to a story. Let's connect this to a story found in the book of Ruth. Ruth 1, 19 verse 21. I would, this is one of my favorite books. Let me give you a background just in case you haven't read the book of Ruth. So, long story short, there's a woman called Naomi. She's got two daughter-in-laws. Um, she had two sons who were married to, obviously, her two daughter-in-laws. The two sons have died, right? So now it's just her and her two daughter-in-laws. She's not having a very good time. That's the background. Verse 19 reads, So the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. So, sorry. So, at the moment, it is simply Naomi and a lady called Ruth. Uh, the lady called Oprah, the, the, um, the other daughter-in-law, has left now. She's left. And when they arrived to Bethlehem, the whole city was stirred because of them. And the women asked, is this Naomi? Now, Naomi was a Jew. Her daughters-in-laws were not Jews. They were not Jews. Naomi was a Jew. Her daughter-in-laws were not Jews. So they're back in Bethlehem and people know Naomi and they ask, is this Naomi? Verse 20. She said to them, do not call me Naomi, in brackets, sweetness. Call me Mara, in brackets, bitter. For the Almighty has caused um, a great, has caused me a great grief and bitterness. I left full in brackets, with a husband and two sons. But the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? So Naomi returned from the country, from the, from the country of Moab with her, with, with her Ruth, the, Moab, the Moabites, her daughter-in-law, and they arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. I want to stay there. Listen to this. So this woman, Naomi, who knows Yahweh, because of her situation, has actually redefined her name. Don't call me sweetness, call me bitterness. I was full, now I'm empty. And whose fault was it? She said, God's. How interesting. The incorrect information you know about God will produce calamity in your life. What you know about God accurately, knowing the truth of the truth. What you know about God truthfully, and that is what you're called to stand on. Anything about God that you believe that's not true 
will always bring a sense of lack in your life. Let's go back to the Garden of Eden. This is an interesting point. <laughs> Adam and Eve, they were tempted by, by the snake. And the snake says, you know, um, if you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll, 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 you'll have this knowledge and you'll be just like God. The issue was they didn't trust God. And because they didn't trust God, they didn't truly know who they were and what they had. The devil tempted them to believe you will be just like God if you attain this, but they were already just like God. But because they didn't believe that God was honest, faithful, true, they didn't believe what he, they said, what he said about them. And as a result of that one simple thing, because they didn't know or didn't believe what they should have believed, they were tempted with something they had already. They were deceived. The Bible says that the moment that they ate, their eyes were open. What's so sad is that a perspective of self came to them. The Bible says they realized they were naked. They were always naked. No one came from the bushes and took their clothes. They were always naked. But their perspective, they no longer saw themselves as how God saw them. And that's where the error is. The saddest and most powerful thing about self-pity is that it makes sense. Why did they say that to you? Why did they treat you that way? Why don't you have what your brother has? How come I'm not where I believe society says I should be? All of these things, I don't deserve that. I deserve more. Self-pity. Whenever you become judge of what you deserve and what you don't deserve, you are automatically saying, I don't care about goodness and mercy following me all the days of my life. Think about this. If goodness is grace, it's God giving you the wonderful things that you don't deserve. If mercy is God not giving you the things that you do deserve, then that means by definition, everything you need is found in him. You are justified in him. Your identity is in him. Your identity is not in how someone treated you or didn't treat you, what someone said to you or didn't say to you, what someone gave you or didn't give you. And the moment you believe that your identity is in these things, then guess what? You are walking in the flesh. You are living for self. And God is so good, his goodness and mercy will still follow you no matter how far or how often your pity story goes.
How faithful is he? Imagine. Let's have 10 seconds of reflecting. What's been your recent pity story? What do you feel you haven't deserved? I want you to know that that information that you're now contemplating is what 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 says. It talks about, and these knowledges, these informations, um, they, they, they put themselves in front of the knowledge of knowing God. So the very thing that you're complaining about is the very thing that's stopping you from enjoying what God wants to bless you with. Okay. I have some volunteers for me. Can my volunteers come up, please? Okay. Oh, wonderful. Look at them. They're ready. Let's just clap for them, guys. Okay, good. Wonderful. Okay, so what I want everyone to do is just look at what they're going to do. Peter, could you just stand there? Okay, so Peter represents each and every one of you. And these three people, lovely volunteers here, I just want you just to stand around Peter, one in front of him, one to the left, you know, like a triangle. Karen, just come a bit closer. There you go, don't be scared. Okay, a bit closer even more. Okay, what I now want you to do is walk around him, all of you, in the same direction. Yep. You're perfect. Keep going. Don't stop. Now, these people represent thoughts and distractions and beliefs. Now, let's say, for the sake of the illustration, I'm God. I'm the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I'm trying to speak into Peter's life. Because there's so much distractions in his life, he says words like, I don't hear God's voice. God doesn't speak. God's word can't be true to me. But the reality is, I am speaking to Peter. I do love Peter. And if he hears my voice, he is going to walk in a way that I've set for him. It is the path of success. It's all there for each and every one of you. The question is, how long are you actually going to allow yourself to be distracted, not just from the voice of God, but the love of God for your life? Until... Peter starts to open his Bible for the sake of his acting ability. He's going to pretend that he's reading his Bible. <laughs> and I want everyone to slow down, but still keep on walking. Just because you open your Bible doesn't mean that everything's going to change. But you're in the right direction. He keeps on. He keeps on praising God. What he's doing right now, oh man, praise God. What he's doing right now is a principle. I want to teach you the principle. Keep going, guys. The principle is he's humbling himself to God. Proverbs 4 says, acknowledge God in all of your ways and he'll make straight your paths. So check this. Check out what he's doing. Let me tell you the significance of acknowledging God in all of your ways and what you can do to acknowledge God and what it means to humble yourself. When you acknowledge the word of God, you are humbling yourself. Why? Because right now he's in the position of pride. He's living for, for self. He's in the flesh. But God doesn't want that for him because he's not of the flesh, though he's in the flesh. He's died to it. That's why Jesus set him free. So as he continues to humble himself, the next phase, those who read the KJV, they'll hear this word a lot. The moment you begin, you finish humbling yourself, you'll start to naturally talk to the Holy Spirit. 
All of a sudden, you'll start asking God for things. You'll start confessing your sins. You'll start speaking to him. You'll start reading your Bible. The reason why people, so many people struggle to read their Bible is because they're in pride. The flesh opposes the things of the spirit. So just like Paul says, you have to subdue your flesh. The simple fact that you know God, the the simple fact that you're born again is your right and privilege to open your Bible and humble yourself to his glorious name. And what happens after that? Thanksgiving and praise starts to come. Psalms 100 verse 4 to 5. Enter my courts with thanksgiving. My gates with praise. Or my gates with thanksgiving, my courts with praise. One of the two. Thanksgiving and praise happens because it's a response because humbling yourself to God is you reminding that God is good and because you've remembered God is good and because you believe that he's worthy of trust and praise you start to speak here's a principle worth these guys are getting tired but keep going here's a principle here's a principle of 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 um of 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 this let me just say it like this right The principle, oh hallelujah, humility, walking in humility happens because you've humbled yourself. It will happen. Thanksgiving and praise, this is the principle, thanksgiving and praise will happen because, or no, you will talk to the Holy Spirit. When you talk to the Holy Spirit, it is the prerequisite to walking with the Holy Spirit. Before you walk, you have to talk. How many of our tongues are in bondage? When was the last time you actually had a good conversation with the Lord? You spoke to him. I'm not talking to the prayer warriors here. And when that actually happens, then Rado goes. You can go, Rado. Novado, you're not Rado. You keep walking. Rado, you can sit down. Thank you. Novado, keep on walking. Karen, keep on walking. He's drawing closer. The Bible says, draw close to God and he'll draw close to you. And as he draws close, guess what? All these distractions, whether you want to call them thoughts or spirits, whatever, start to go. And Peter slowly, Peter, I just want you to slowly come to here. Karen, you can walk off the stage now. I want you just to walk, just jump, um, step, on, step onto this. And the final distraction will be gone. Thank you, Novado. All of a sudden... You're worshipping God in spirit and in truth. That's what it looks like. Amen. Okay. I want everyone to understand here, you're not on a journey to attain anything in Christ, but you're on a journey to realise with greater clarity, whose you are, who you are, and what you have. It's not university. You're not trying to attain a degree. The beautiful thing about the gospel, once you've received the message, you have everything. There is nothing... Think about this. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's from the beginning and the end. You are just one of the pages in this massive book. He knows everything that you need. Think about that. He knows everything that you need. So why wouldn't you go back to the source who provides you all your needs? 
Philippians 4.19. Why don't you stand in the name of Jesus? Why do people think saying in the name of Jesus at the end of prayer is like putting a cherry on top of an ice cream? In the name of Jesus, when you speak words of faith in the name, the name of Jesus is a location. When you speak from this position in the name of Jesus, the words that come out of your mouth are like a double-edged sword. Why are they a double-edged sword? Because as you speak, Christ speaks it as well. In the name. When you're standing in Christ, the Bible says, who knows the thoughts of God, but we have been given the mind of Christ. So that means the true you, the true you, is Christ in you. How desperately does your brothers, your sisters, your aunties, your uncles, your mums, your dads, your colleagues, your grandparents, your whoever, your strangers, how desperately are these people crying out for Christ in you? When I look in front of me, do you know what I see? I see answered prayer. Until you realize that you are the answered prayer, you won't realize how significant you are to the body. Until you realize, until you see yourself as how God sees you, you'll never be able to reveal God. You have been made more powerful than, than you could ever think. But here's the problem. Though you've been given the power, your issue is you're not walking empowered. The difference. To walk empowered requires you to submit to the will the word, the person and spirit of God. Complete submission, not on a Sunday after the 2.30 service, not just then, but on a Monday, on a Tuesday, throughout August, throughout September, throughout October, in 2022, there's no days off. And the interesting thing is this. You'll start to see fruit in your life. People will start to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, patience, self-control. All of that will be seen. Why? Because it's no longer I living for self that's being seen, but it's Christ in me being seen. The fruit of the Spirit are his characteristic traits. His characteristic traits are being manifested through you because his person has been fully glorified in you. Imagine this. John 3.16, everyone knows it. For God so loves the world. But love is perfected when you've received God's love. Not just being born again. The way you treat people. The way you treat people is a sign of whether God's love 
is being realized. The purpose of God's love isn't for this. Forgive me, but I have to do this. This is what self-pity does. Oh, yes. I'm just so upset and discontent. It's like you're just, you're just loving on yourself. That's not the love of God. The love of God is seen with how you treat people. There's a saying, you can't give what you don't have. But if you're giving, you're proving that you have it. The purpose of being born again, oh guys, let's graduate from this whole heaven gospel. Yes, we're going to heaven, hallelujah, can't wait, we're going to look great. But till then, there's work to do. And I'm not trying to encourage you in the flesh for self. No, I'm trying to encourage you to enter into rest in him. Amen? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Let's round it up here. The mentality of self-pity asks for the wise in the wrong places. Why do they treat me like that? Why is my life going like this? Why this? Why that? I want everyone to remember this. When you look for the wise in these wrong places, you find the woes. I'll say that again. When you look for the why, that you're trying to understand why someone had done that to you, why they said that to you, why you didn't get that, all that stuff you're trying to understand. When you're looking for the whys in the wrong places of self, when you're looking for yourself to find out the why you're going through what you're going through, you will find the woes. Oh, woe is me. Oh, I don't have enough friends. Oh, I don't make enough money. Oh, there's not enough people who, who acknowledge me. Oh, this. Whoa, this. Whoa, that. Guess what? You found the woes of your life. And that's not what God's called you to find. He's called you to find him. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Start to listen to what you're saying. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what you say is simply a revelation of what's inside. So make it your thing. Make it your duty to ensure that you humble yourself to God Spend time with him. Come into his presence. And in his presence, there is fullness of joy. In his presence, all fear has been casted out. This is what this is all about. The longer you stand in the name of Jesus, walking by faith in the spirit, this is where you start to enjoy what you're going to enjoy in heaven and that's rewards day. Many people don't talk about inheritance because a lot of people are not heavenly minded. We're too concerned about what's going on here. 
But the reality is this. There are crowns for us to win. And some people say, Andrew, you're, you're talking about works. No, I'm not. Because the reality is you can't do these works in the flesh anyway. You can only do them in the spirit. And if you're doing it in the spirit, you're doing it by faith. This is our calling. And I'm going to keep on banging the same drum next Sunday. And the next time I'm here, and I'm next time I'm here, and I'm hopefully believing that one, two, three, four people are going to start believing that God is worth surrendering your life to. Amen?